Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Gym Class All-Stars, as always brought to you by the Vigit Sports Betting app. Download the app, use our promo code, all, code ALLSTARS, uh, bet fake coins, win real prizes, download it today. Welcome back, yet another episode. Um, we're, we're trying to feel out kind of what day of the week we're going to start trying to commit to posting episodes on it's, it's a little odd we're trying to decide when to do it throughout the course of the week in, in terms of the nfl and in terms of our schedules but we're, we're, we're coming to you now on a monday after two weeks of of football have passed we'll get to all of that now we're going to start actually though with college football as a few more upsets took place this past week starting out with number seven cincinnati maybe not an upset but number seven cincinnati defeated number nine notre dame in South Bend, uh, big shout out to Cincinnati and uh, our, our big fan of our show, Ed Jennings, big supporter. Uh, that's his alma mater, but huge win on the road for Cincinnati. And I do not believe they play another ranked opponent for the rest of the season, if that's not, if I'm, I'm not mistaken, excuse me. I believe you're correct. They have the rest of their conference to play through. They'll have whatever championship they have, like for their conference. And then right now they're in the driver's seat to be the first non-Power 5 team to make the college football playoff. This is assuming they don't lose. But so far, so good. They did the hard part. They beat Notre Dame, did it pretty convincingly against, you know, Brian Kelly's former team. And, yeah, not too shabby. Yeah. So how do they blow this? How do they blow this? They got to lose. They're, they're either going to, like, lose their conference championship game somehow or – just drop the ball on some road game against some rival team that they have at the end of the schedule. That's just hungry and wants to be the team that gets to beat Cincinnati. I haven't taken a look at their schedule. I don't know who it would be, but that, that feels like the only, the only way they lose. But I mean, right now, like you said, they're in the driver's seat. They are looking great playing their best football at clearly the best time of the season. Right. And there's still a lot of time to develop both the offense and defense really getting the swing of things for when it comes down to that December, those conference championships and getting ready for either bowl season or playoff season, depending on what it is. Exactly. Staying healthy. That's the other big thing for them. Just know you won't avoid any huge injuries or setbacks. That's what steroids are for Robbie. Of course. Of course. How could I possibly forget? How could I possibly forget these illegal substances? Of course. All right. Moving into the true upsets now. Stanford took down number three, Oregon, knocked them back a few in the rankings. Oregon was flying high. The Ducks now still in the top 10. I think they got bumped from three to nine, four and one now, but a tough loss to Stanford. What do they have to do in order to be able to bounce back? Oh boy. They're going to do well. They'll probably win the Pac-12, but I think this puts them out of contention to be in the playoff. Really? I don't think there's going to be a bounce back. Oregon being ranked third was, I wouldn't call it generous, but I think it was an undefeated Power 5 team got put there. They beat Ohio State. That's a big win. Don't get me wrong. They're there. They're going to need some help from the Big Ten specifically. I, If I'm not mistaken, Oklahoma hasn't lost either. Needs some probably help there. The winner of the Big Ten, assuming they're undefeated, or the Big 12 winner, assuming they're undefeated, would probably usurp a Pac-12 team, in my opinion. Because in the driver's seat, like the ultimate, ultimate driver's seat, Bama, who probably won't lose until maybe their conference championship, 
and Georgia. Mm-hmm. Georgia decimated Arkansas, or as we call them, Arkansas. <laughs> Sorry. De- utterly destroyed them. And those two teams are in the driver's seat. They will eventually face off. Mm-hmm. But right now, even whoever loses that game, like they'll probably still make in the playoff, just assuming conference schedule. I, I was going to say, as long as neither of them have two losses, they will both be in the playoffs. They won't be one and two because, again, one of them will have to lose in the Big Ten champion. As long as they're undefeated, will be ahead of them. And, and again, maybe even Oklahoma if they're undefeated. But, yeah, no, those, those two teams are locks if, if only one of them loses to the other one as their only loss of the season. All right, but, yeah, Oregon, tough ladder to climb. We'll see. Maybe it's one of those years where, where teams, everybody loses a game, nobody goes undefeated, happens every once in a while. You know, maybe they have a chance, but not looking good for them right now. And then finally, number 10, Florida falls to Kentucky, who was previously unranked now as an undefeated 5-0 team, I believe, are ranked 16th in the nation after that big win against Florida. My guess is Florida kind of in a similar boat here as Oregon as a a tough ladder to climb. Pretty much. I I don't think Florida will be anywhere close to the playoff. They'll get probably a good bowl game if they can win out. They'll lose to whoever the – I forget how the conferences work, but I believe Florida has the SEC East, and then Alabama, Georgia, and Auburn, that's like SEC West, and then they play each other for the conference. I could be dead wrong about that, but I know I know Alabama is not in the same one as Florida because they always play each other mm-hmm. when Florida's decent. But, yeah, Florida's not great, and they are not going to be anywhere close to college football playoffs. Very true. We, we'll see what bowl game they do get themselves to. We, we, we assume they're not going to lose out and miss any kind of any bowl game at this point. But the, Oh, yeah, they, they'll they make should, a bowl game. They should make a decent bowl game. Maybe not the very best, but they'll, they'll be in the mix, some of the, some of the bigger ones. All right, moving, moving forward, looking forward for college football. One of the big – other than what will be Alabama-Georgia, perhaps the biggest game we're going to get for the rest of the season in terms of Ranked matchup number four, Penn State comes to Iowa City to play the number three Iowa Hawkeyes. Winner will, I mean, first of all, first of all, before I even talk about who who wins this game, this is crucial for both teams. Iowa because they're they're essentially in the driver's seat in in the west in the west right now. If they win this matchup, it's more, I think it's their last ranked opponent. And if not, they only have one more left. They're in a good spot. And for Penn State, you have to be able to keep pace with the Ohio States and the Michigans of the world. You have to. And a loss, this this is a very losable game for them. You you gotta be careful. This is a game you have to take. You have to come into Iowa City and say, this is our our year, our season, because best case scenario, you may see these guys again in the Big Ten Championship. You you gotta get a good look at them. Iowa has a little more room in terms of winning the Big Ten if they lose, but the loser of this game probably doesn't have a chance to make the college playoff unless they win the Big Ten. They will, yes. The winner of this, the winner of the Big Ten, if they have a loss, is going to be a hard sell for the playoff. Yeah, correct. You got people, Oklahoma, you'll have probably two SEC teams, and then 
you could throw into Cincinnati or it's going to be tough. Not, not impossible, but this game effectively who wins this is going to have the best shot other than I think Michigan's undefeated still. Mm-hmm. Michigan state is or isn't. They are. I think they are too, but Michigan state has not played anyone good. No, they, ha- they haven't played anyone great. Mich- Michigan just beat Wisconsin. Yes. So they're ranked 10th now. They're looking good. Um, but these, these are the two teams with the best chance right now. The, and the winner of this, especially because they're going to remain undefeated. And again, if Michigan is then to lose to somebody again, if Penn state loses, I guess the way I'm thinking about this, if Iowa wins, I think they're going to outright win the West. They're going to, they're going to represent the West in, in the big 10 championship. But if Penn state loses, they're, they're a Michigan loss away from maybe getting a second shot at Iowa. Like, like Michigan state would have to lose two if they're undefeated, but if Penn state's only losses to Iowa and everybody else's loss is to each other in that, in the East, that that's the chance Penn state has to be the one loss team that gets to go forward. I still don't think though Penn state's good enough to justify making the college football playoff. I agree, but I also think Iowa's going to win the big 10. So it might be relevant. Fair. So I think the million dollar question is who wins this weekend? So for anyone who doesn't know the last time Penn state came to Iowa city, heartbreak occurred as Penn State scored a last second game winning touchdown with four seconds left on the clock uh I was at that game and all the freshmen were ru- about to rush the field they were moving to the front of the stands I go don't jinx this you mother you, you crazy motherfuckers don't jinx this and lo and behold they, they score that terrible touchdown Trace McSorley of all freaking people threw that touchdown and it was just it was devastating I think Iowa remembers that and I think they're going to take care of business against Penn State. I think it's going to be a very close game. I think this game is going to live up to the hype. It might be a little uglier than people might imagine because these two teams are probably going to be at each other's throats. But I feel a lot of high, high emotion in this game, but I think Iowa's going to come out on top. I do. Okay. I am with you, but I do not think it's going to – I think Iowa's going to win by – maybe if they win by a touchdown, it's like Penn State scores last second kick an onside kick, recover it, so they you know, win by seven type deal. I've watched Penn State this entire season. They are undefeated. I give them that. They're not good. If that's – like, that team would get massacred by an Alabama or a Georgia. Not to say I was either of those teams. Like, they're playing Iowa this week. Just a lot of time left in the season. But I think Iowa playing at home, chip on their shoulder, I think this is the perfect – call it perfect storm of – conditions that this is the one where Iowa wins they'll be third in the standings and then we'll be cemented there if they can continue winning (laughs) which who knows but I'm putting my faith in the corn boys not the corn huskers the corn boys the hawkeyes go Iowa I will be rooting for Iowa though I promise that yeah no I just, man, I can't take another. I have so many friends that went to Penn State, and I can't take another. Ah, no. better luck next year, buddy. Text from all of them. The, I don't even the go problem, to anywhere. I just live here. Listen, anyone who's rooting for Penn State, shut up and listen. You need to realize that. Let's say Penn State goes like they beat Iowa, they go undefeated, they win the Big Ten. You this that will be the worst college football playoff game of all time, like worse than Oklahoma versus LSU two years prior. 
it's going to be awful if they play any of those SEC teams. They will get killed. The quarterback is cheeks. James Franklin is incompetent. Their defense, their defense is great. That is the one shining feature. And Jahan Dodson, their wide receiver, is great. They will get killed. That I guarantee. If they can win out to the playoffs, which they won't. All right. I'm done it. ranting. Beautiful. No, take all the time you need to rant. But that's what we have for what I hope and assume will be where college game day ends up in Iowa City. Those are our predictions for that matchup between Penn State and Iowa. Let us know what you think. But we are now going to move on into the world of baseball as the postseason is upon us. Games will start tomorrow. Well, one game will start tomorrow. We'll start with that. The AL wild card is set as that picture perfect matchup we were hoping for between the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox, one of the great rivalries in sports, playing a one game wild card matchup for a, for a, a chance to play the Tampa Bay Rays in the first round of the playoffs. I believe the game is in New York, if I'm not mistaken. No, Boston. Boston has the advantage. But it's huge. Yeah. It was high intensity drama. It came down to the very last day. The Rays did not give any bit of easiness for the Yankees and almost swept them. The Yankees won a walk off hit by Judge to win one nothing in bottom of the ninth. They got with that clinched the wild card. If they had lost, they would have played the Blue Jays in a tiebreaker game, which would have occurred today. Mm-hmm. Instead, though, they won, so they were wild card. The Red Sox were down five to one, I think, to the Nationals of all teams, and came back, tied it up, and they hit a two-run home run the bottom, or sorry, the top of the ninth, to then put them up seven five and ultimately won. Nationals have nothing to play for; they don't care. Blue Jays killed the Orioles, but so Toronto fans are a little bit sad that they were so close, but came down to just one game, basically. Mariners got shafted. They just yeah, lost to the Angels. The, the Mariners were close, but they were in it till the last day, but yeah, unfortunate for them. Yeah. Um, so that's, that is the AL side, and then besides that, you have the Rays, who are the top seed, uh, White Sox, and then, of course, the Astros for like the umpteenth year service since yep. they switched to the AL. NL side. Phillies did the reverse of what I said. They got swept by the Braves, did not get swept by the Marlins, which I don't know which one I wanted. Like both those situations yeah. are bad. But their outs had a above 500 years, so a little bit more promise. Some progress. That's all I'll talk about them. They have a long offseason. They got to fix some stuff. Oh, yeah. Anyway, though. Division winners, Braves won because Braves are not incompetent. Nope. You then had the Brewers who locked it up. And then the NL West came down to the very last day, Giants, Dodgers. Giants won, and, you know, they had the tiebreaker as well. Giants win the NL West. They have the number one seed. Cardinals won that insane winning streak. And then the Dodgers got the other wild card. So it was Dodgers, Cardinals. Is that tomorrow? Do they play or is it like Tuesday, no, so Wednesday? Tomorrow is Yankees, Red Sox. Yes. And then I believe Wednesday will be Cardinals, Dodgers, in what has to be the greatest wild card matchup of all time in terms of just team power, ability. Like the Dodgers are the second best team in baseball in terms of record. Yep. And they are the four seed 
in the NL playoffs. It's it's one of those crazy years. And that's the thing, though. The Cardinals might be the hotter team. Who do you think like, – like just we, – we've, we've been so sure the Dodgers were going to win the World Series this year, but they find themselves in this one elimination – or single-game elimination matchup. Do you think they're going to survive? Do you, or do you think the Cardinals got hot enough to be able to do this? I think it's going to be a stupid close game. My logic would say the Dodgers should win, but that's one of those games that come up to just a big hit. And if you got like a David Freese like situation, you know, maybe the Cardinals have enough luck left in them to win. They're the hot. Well, funny enough, the Dodgers went nine and one the last 10 to end the season. Cardinals went seven and three, which is still incredible. I tend to believe that the Dodgers lineup should outpower them, but you, you, you don't know. That's, Kind of what bums me out. This is one game, and I really want to see Giants Dodgers in the NLDS. But there's a 50 50 chance that we won't or will get that. And kind of bummed me out, Robbie. Yeah, I see. I want to see the Dodgers lose because I do think it'd be funny. Um, here's the here's, here's the one thing I'll say this is the Penn State scenario again. The Cardinals beat the Dodgers, the Cardinals will get massacred by the Giants. Yeah, the Giants, let's, let's just give them some credit. No, best I agree. In baseball. Best record in baseball for a team who acquired their best player at the trade deadline. And who took on our former manager. Yes, took on the Phillies' former manager who had done nothing for us and turns some of these no-name pitchers into studs, Desclafani, Gossman, um, Webb, all of these dudes have had fantastic seasons. Even Johnny Cueto played some decent games for them, who hasn't been relevant for years now. Um, I think they acquired Jose Quintana at the deadline as well, like just some solid pitchers all around and bats where they needed. They had this great plan with Buster Posey that I've talked about multiple times where he never played more than two games in a row. It, it was, And he's been one of the best, healthiest catchers this season. No, hats off to them. Fantastic job. I, I hope this is the team that wins the World Series, to be completely honest. To, like there's very few teams that I actually want to see win that made the playoffs. The Giants, I'm fine with. The Brewers, I'm okay with. The Cardinals and the White Sox. Everybody else has to lose. Ah, the Rays could win. I don't mind the Rays. I don't mind the Rays. Everybody else needs to lose. No Yankees, no Red Sox. That did definitely no Braves or Astros. None of that in this household. All right, so I'm going to say the Dodgers will win tomorrow. You're going to ride ride the Cardinals, yay or nay? I'll ride with the Cardinals. All right. Then in the AL side, who wins that game? Don't make me do this. This is how I'm going to get canceled. I'm going to say the New York Yankees are going to win on yet another Aaron Judge walk-off home run. I think the Red Sox are going to win. I think it's going to be like a 6-2 to two game. I don't see a world where even if the Yankees were at home, I don't think they'd win. Damn. I'll put it this way. If the Yankees win, that game's going to be like a 2-1 game. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It's going to be like exactly like that game they played with the Rays at the end of the season. Like, just nothing happened. And then one of their best players is, does what they do. Well, I have to guess. Who's going to be the pitchers? It's going to be Chris Sale and Garrett Cole? Yeah, Sale and Cole would be my guess. Unless Boston decides to throw out Eovaldi, but I would go with Sale. Even though he just came back, like, I, I, would, I would trust him. I... I... Garrett Cole's shown, shown a bit of weakness this, you know, probably the last month or so. 
Sale has not yet. I mean, he's been hurt for a while, but uh, we'll see. I hope the Yankees win. I'm hoping. I will say this is probably why the Yankees were so patient with Chris Sale. They took so much time. Like, this is the situation he came back for. This, like, go get your team a playoff win. Go go get yourself into the next round. Go beat your arch rivals in one of the most important games of your career. Well, I'll be watching that game tomorrow night. One of my buddies is a big Yankees fan, so I will either watch him be euphoric like he was yesterday or watch his heart get ripped out in a million pieces. Actually, I have a better prediction. Yankees go up 5-2. to Araldis Chapman surrenders a walk-off grand slam. Let's just call it as we see it. That's what's going to happen. Look, I will not credit or discredit the how, how fair that is of a possibility. But what if? Uh, one of my favorite shows. <laughs> that's not a what if. That's like what will. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's like when the watcher is explaining what happened in your timeline and our timeline, that, that's Aroldis Chapman blowing the save. What if would be what if he just had a normal three out in it? What if Aroldis Chapman could get a save properly in a high-pressure situation? <laughs> that'd be... That'd be absurd. Cubs fans would love that. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I actually have a good idea. What if we did a series on here, like, to end our shows called What If, and it was different moments in sports where, like, what if this went different and what would be the repercussions of said action? I love that. I absolutely love that. We should. Right. Let's, let's, we can do a quick one this week, but if we want to, like, really build that, let's get that going for next week because I, I already got the, the gears turning in here. All right. That's going to be something we're going to do, folks. But let's keep it moving. Basketball. Well, actually, one quick thing. Little little life story. Uh, so I, I'm employed. Robbie knows that. So I have a job. I'm not just a full-time podcaster. <laughs> I don't know that sounds something to laugh at, but I don't know why I did. Okay. I... I didn't tell you this, Robbie. I actually went to a professional sporting event. The last one I needed to go to, I went to a hockey game. Nice. I went to a Buffalo Sabres game this past weekend. Uh, got free tickets to go. First and foremost, hockey is in preseason. Did you know that? No. Good talk. Neither did I. Number two, the stadium, uh, Key Bank Arena, where I went, or Key Bank Center. There must have been maybe a 1,000 people there. Oh. I wish I was joking. I'll show you the photo at the end. There were a lot more empty seats than there were people. That's fantastic. Number three, that. the Sabres lost. Devastating. <laughs> but what else is new? Uh, but yeah, hockey is back. I think the tickets to a Sabres game are cheaper than the actual food or beverage there. I think you could buy a beer for more than a ticket cost at that game. And I mean that for like front row seats. Last thing I'll say about the Sabres, good luck. But yeah, hockey is almost back. The sport we care more about, basketball, is also back. Preseason has started. The Lakers played the Nets. The Nets uh, just kind of went like this, you know, put their assets on the table and uh, had their way with the Lakers. Granted, without Russell Westbrook and LeBron James, they did have AD playing a bit. I I don't really care, even though they lost by like was like thirty something like that. Yeah, I mean it was also close in the first half, like when the, yeah. the good the quote good players were playing. Like Anthony Davis was the only All Star playing in this game. Um, 
it was nice to see some of the some of the guys we're gonna see though i honestly forgot the lakers had signed deandre jordan before i started watching and i was like oh that's really funny um kenny nunn was playing well love, love me some former heat they also had wayne ellington on the lakers i was watching for all the random names i just love the random players that that, that kind of pop up in preseason um but no these games mean nothing this is just for, to, to get the gears turning for some of the new guys to get to play in the system for the first time if, if they're joining a new team for the young guys for the guys trying to make the roster try and work with certain lineups to see if they're going to work or not um but other than that these are pretty meaningless games but it's, it's good to see basketball back it's on the horizon we're, we're getting close to that october start it's like exciting you can feel it in the air yeah i'm basketball super excited um plenty of ben simmons drama still left though well, before we get to that, I was going to segue into one player who did not play for the Nets, Kyrie Irving. Yep. He, during media days, gave a prophetic speech about how he is not vaccinated and fair, uh, but he will be fined and or not get game checks until he is vaccinated. Probably the most big name player to not be vaccinated or at least disclose that was Kyrie Andrew Wiggins probably the other one I would say I I hate to say it like that but this is true he is now vaccinated or will be vaccinated in time for the start of the season yep. so he's all good um I think the other one too Jonathan Isaac he not that he's like a big name he's just outspoken about it mm-hmm. uh I don't know how that works though because I think Florida obviously is a little bit looser in terms of COVID mandates uh-huh. uh he could probably play in home games. I think away is sort of a discrepancy type deal. Yeah, I mean that, that, that's the thing. It's it's where you go, where they require it, where they're mandating it. Um, that that was the deal with Wiggins and Kyrie is their home stadiums yeah. required it, so they would already off the bat be missing over fifty percent of the games because you're going to miss the, all those games plus any other games and stadiums that have the same requirements. Any other New Yorks or or California teams. Well, yeah. So Florida's a little different. They don't. I hate to say it, but don't care as much. They don't mandate it as, as harshly as some other places. So Isaac's probably fine for more, more than 75% of the games, I'd say. But, I mean, I, at this point, I mean, I've said my, my feelings on this. You just, just do it for the sake of your team. You're, you're already giving yourself up for something bigger, and you're getting paid millions of dollars to do it. Just do this thing that'll, that'll wipe the possibility of this being an issue off the table. Um, I've been doing a lot of that in my life recently. No, that's 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 just what you have to do. I think I think some of these players will start to realize it when they really get to miss games and miss game checks. And because that's the thing, it's their, this is what they do for their profession. This is their money. And when that stops, I think that's going to hit more than being told that it's going to stop. Yeah, I tend to agree. But we'll see how that unfolds. I'm sure. Like the NBA is not terrible. Like they're at ninety percent vaccination rate with the players. I believe all coaches and personnel have to be vaccinated. So I don't know if it'll be exactly a hundred, but like, you know, they'll be at that point. So they're a lot better than a lot of other leagues, but yeah, going back to what you talked about before, Ben Simmons is a foot, plenty of dramas back. Yeah. Some, I don't, I would even call them surprising. I guess it was more just like you'd expect this to come out, but you, didn't expect to hear from the players. They expect to hear from reports. General gist, if you haven't heard, living under a rock, apparently following the loss in the postseason, Joel Embiid, I think it was Tobias, Matisse Thibel, uh, maybe 
maybe Doc. I'm not sure. I think it was just players. They're all going to fly out to L.A. to meet with Ben Simmons to sort of talk about everything. You know, there's obviously a little bit of – call it hurt feelings and a little bit of I, some animosity, of course. Mm-hmm. Ben refu- told them to go home. Don't fly a plane out here just to leave and wanted to mope alone. Yeah. So that was like that. That report came out. And then Joel Embiid was asked about the entire thing, and he's he agreed. Yep, he's like, yep, we were gonna fly a plane out there, meet with Ben. Ben didn't want it, told us to go back. Then started talking about how, you know, reports came out that Ben was saying, you know, it's Joel's team. You know, this wasn't my team. I could never have the driver's seat. It was all Joel, Joel, Joel. To which Embiid responded, "You're the reason Jimmy Butler left." This team was made for you, so you could have the ball. And, yeah, we're not getting Ben Simmons back, plain and simple. I wouldn't even want him at this point. Like, yeah, the, the quote was not a full quote, but MB called the whole Simmons situation disrespectful. This team literally was catered for Ben Simmons to be the head of the offense. Like you said, they got rid of Jimmy Butler because that's what Ben Simmons wanted. And this is how they're they're respecting him. These these guys even go out of their way to fly to LA to try and and mend fences. And Ben Simmons is too immature to accept that. that you know, this is actually one of those things that I also think might have been why Ben Simmons should have stayed a few more years in college because he's clearly not a very mature person at this point in his career. He's he's handling this miserably, and it's going to reflect poorly on on everybody because on his trade value, on the Sixers, on him. Everyone's made to look bad right now because these Embiid comments are well within, in my, in my, in my opinion, well within range of being able to what he should feel comfortable being allowed to say right now. But he's coming on, even coming under a little fire for coming out this harshly against Ben Simmons. And it's, it's just like, come on, Ben, handle yourself better. But uh, I don't know. I don't blame Embiid for anything he said. And also maybe that first what if uh, thing we do should be what if Jimmy Butler wasn't traded? Well, a few things that I'll say. Uh, I yeah, Embiid's comments are like spot on. They're not out of line by any means. I think they're professional as much as they could be. They're accurate and true, at least in my personal preference and personal view. Like we've I've talked about this before. I understand Ben Simmons' animosity. I think it's a bit of an. I think the way he handled it is a little bit immature but I understand him kind of just being like, I'm done with the Sixers after your coach kind of goes out publicly and says, he's not my point guard. And doc rivers can say he didn't mean that, but we know he did to me. Like at that moment, it was over once he said that the one when radio silence, it's tough. I don't think it was anything to do with the Philly fans. I don't think it was anything to do with Embiid. I don't think it was anything to do with any other teammates. I really think it was the game seven performance the social media, and then just Doc Rivers. I think those three in combination and then the little things with teammates being like, hey, dude, like, fix your act. Like, he sort of overreacted to that and we're sort of getting the residue of the overreaction when in reality it was, like, those three catalysts rather than – there's nothing Embiid did. It's definitely all these whispers, like, in his ear about this should be your team and, you know, you're not the guy. or Like, just all these sort of things that – take you out of that sort of ego check you're in. So I don't blame Ben for not wanting to come back. I also don't blame Embiid for being pissed off that his buddy for the past four years, like 
you know, kind of just went deep on him. So. Yeah, tough to see, I'm sure, as a Philly fan, just to kind of see this team that was the one seed last year, not quite falling apart, but but being disassembled a little bit. But that's the thing. I really feel like if they ran it back, and there's a few things it have to do, but that team makes, like, that's a damn good team, and that can make a lot of other, like, that's a scary team for the Bucks to play. It's a scary team for the Nets to play. Ben Simmons, while he's not great offensively, does a lot defensively. Yeah, I'm I not mean, saying they'd win a title, but they would have a lot of success. And you know whether they make it past that hump that they've always been stuck at, which is the second round, who knows? But they'd be a formidable opponent in the East. That's all I'd say. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd put them quite on the tier of the, Bro- the healthy Brooklyn or the Bucks yet, but maybe maybe a tier like like, like Miami or or what Chicago could be. Maybe that second tier in the East. I don't know. Chicago, Chicago's a mess, but they could be really good. That's all I'm saying. You're buying into that way too much. You, I'm you not buying many... into it. I'm just like, I under, I, I see it. If it was like three years ago, I don't know. Let's not you have, the you have overvalued DeMar DeRozan. That's all. I have in fact overvalued DeMar DeRozan, but that's fine. Let's, let's just shift the conversation here. I don't want to, I don't want to go into the just, Chicago. Just quite take yet. your trade to Chicago already, Robbie. Um. Yeah, no. All right. I'm I'm getting traded to a different coffee house in Chicago. New contract. That's two years, thirty million. You got waived, dude. <laughs> yeah, I got the veterans minimum. <laughs> All right, we have a lot to get to with football, right. as we clearly, as you all know, missed one week here, just in, in the shuffle of finding when to do an episode. So we're going to talk about both weeks three and four. We'll start. We'll start with week three. We'll do it a little more briefly, and we'll kind of talk about it all encapsulating in, in the week four matchups and how everything in the last two weeks has affected it all. Well, let's start week three. The Thursday night matchup was Carolina and Houston. Carolina won 24 to nine. McCaffrey got hurt in that matchup. He's going to miss a few weeks. I think at least three right now. Chubba Hubbard is, is the uh, top man up Royce Freeman, the, the backup role now. So that, that, that was pretty much the only main story to come out of that game. Houston has been miserable without Taylor, uh, Tyrod Taylor. Buffalo's offense woke up last in week three. They beat the football team 43-21. Josh Allen threw four touchdowns, I believe, or four. three and ran for one, something along those lines. Yeah. Had almost 50 points for my fantasy team. That's all I needed. Um, Cleveland took down Chicago 26-6. to Baltimore defeating Detroit. Wait, 19- wait, wait. Sorry. Go While you do this, I'll just – I'll sing, like, remember Chris Berman would do his rundown of the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-
game we'll get to this week against the Broncos was kicking 70 to, you know, before the game, which is very, very far. No, Justin Tucker has put himself in consideration for the best kicker of all time up, up there with the, with Adam Vinatieri. Um, I don't even know if there's anyone else in the conversation to be honest, other than those two. I feel like in terms of power kicking, Matt Prater deserves to be up there for his longevity as well. Even the prime Sebastian Janikowski. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. The thing with Janikowski, though, the Raiders always put – like, they wanted him to break so many records. So they would just – his kicking record is not good because they'd tell him to kick, like, yeah, go kick a 68-yard field goal. <laughs> he'd, he'd miss, like most people would do. So his kick – I don't think his kicking record looks as good. But Janikowski definitely – I would like to say, though, halt the goat talk on Justin Tucker. Do not slander my man Adam Vinatieri. He made two – game-winning field goals in the Super Bowl and has four Super Bowls. That's no, damn yeah, impressive. Yeah. Tucker still has a ways to go. I'm just saying his name is probably in the conversation at this point. Oh, top five kicker easily. Throw him yes. in there, no problem. 100%. But do not slander Mr. Vinatieri. That's no. all I just want to say. But other other than Tucker, rough game for Baltimore. They're slipping by the winless Detroit Lions. Arizona top Jacksonville in week three, 31-19. Uh, it's looking bleak for the Jaguars at this point. We'll we'll, we'll talk about them in, in depth when we get to the week four and, and what really came out there. Um, New Orleans handled the Patriots 28-13. Mac Jones looked unimpressive at that point. New Orleans is up and down this season. I, I don't really know what to think of them at this point. Um, as, as We'll get to what happened next week with them in just a moment. Atlanta the team I have been claiming is the worst team in football did in fact beat the giants in week three, 17 to 14, not necessarily an impressive win, but a win nonetheless. So not, not winless, maybe not the worst team in football per perhaps Mike Davis has been the most consistent fantasy player all year, giving 10 points in every single matchup. Um, that includes week four as well. The, the matchup that killed me and was tough to watch as a fan Cincinnati dismantled the Pittsburgh Steelers 24 to 10 Ben Roethlisberger looked miserable Deontay Johnson didn't play Juju got hurt it, it, was, it was a terrible game and again this defense is not healthy right now and we'll get we'll get to what happened this past week but they're just they're struggling the Steelers are not what I thought they could be after that week one win in Buffalo whereas Cincinnati playing a little better than they maybe should their offense looking looking spectacular to start the year Tennessee took down the Colts 25-16. Derrick Henry running all over everybody as per usual. Tannehill started to get in a groove a little bit. Uh, the Colts haven't figured much out. Taylor's starting to get it going on the ground a little bit, but nothing. I mean, you, you only scored 16 points against the Tennessee defense. You didn't, you didn't do too great. Um, and we'll get to the Tennessee defense in just a minute about week four. Denver crushed the Jets. Zach Wilson threw, I think, another three or four interceptions in that game. 26 to nothing. Denver moved to 3-0 at that point. Teddy Bridgewater didn't even have to throw any touchdowns. It was all handled on the ground by their two running backs. Vegas defeated Miami, and Miami made a late comeback. But the uh, Raiders were able to hold on 31-28. Jacoby Brissett still at under, under center for Miami, and that has been an issue for them since the Tua injury, the Rams, as we both predicted, defeated Tampa, uh, Tampa Brady Buccaneers 34-24. Um, and then immediately after, essentially, the Buccaneers signed Richard Sherman to the team. First of all, 
feels good to get that game right. We both picked that one. That felt good. But uh, does Richard Sherman put the Buccaneers back on track to win another Super Bowl? We will talk about him in a bit, but no. No. Uh, no. no. He looked awful last night. We'll talk that about he that. Did. Hopefully for him and, and the Buccaneers' sake, he just needs to get his legs under him. But, yeah, tough, tough showing for him in last night's game. So, uh, still on week three here. A few matchups left. Minnesota beat Seattle 30-17. to Minnesota is just a weird team. Again, they're going to be right around 500, even if they don't get that tie, that, that eight to nine win range. Seattle, again, also we'll see their offense comes and goes and their defense is paper thin. So this felt like one the Vikings honestly would have won. So good, good on them for handling it. No Dalvin Cook in week three. Alexander Madison came in, had over 150 all-purpose yards. Uh, spectacular uh, handcuff in fantasy football as I picked him up. Still lost, of course. Haven't won yet this year. But <laughs> Madison was a good uh, good streaming option. Green Bay slipped by San Francisco 30-28. to Another patented Rodgers drive down the field for a game-winning field goal by Mason Crosby. Um, the Packers, it, he said after the game that it, it felt like they learned how to win again. And that, that was important, especially moving into week four, which we'll talk about in a minute here. Um what do you what do you make of the Packers though so far before before we get into the Week Four game after that Week Three win against San Francisco what, what were you thinking about them? I think their offense is not as good as it was last year. Like it's a little bit more impressive. However, they are what we expected them to be. They just had a really bad loss start the season against the Saints. Yeah, but they're in their glory. They haven't. The Forty Nineers is a good win but they haven't really beat any of the top tier teams yet. So I think that's why people are a little bit low on them. And I would agree until they really do show up. But for now, I think there's like optimism if you're a Green Bay fan. I would in fact agree on that. And then the last game in week three, tough one for you to swallow. I'm sure the Cowboys ripped the Eagles apart on Monday night football, 41, 21 Eagles look ripped miserable. The Cowboys, however, looked much better. Zeke got, got a couple touchdowns in. Dak started to throw, uh, continuing to throw the ball while looking healthy at this point. Cowboys, we already knew we we're going to be the favorites to win this division, uh, but a, a t- tough loss for the Eagles there. Didn't look great. Nope. Um, do you want to talk about this one or just save the Eagles for the week four report? Uh, I will say a few things. First mm-hmm. and foremost, do not think that the Cowboys are a top five team like everyone else wants to say they are. They're not. Do not think the Cowboys have a top five defense. They do not. The Eagles offense just made them look like it. Um, Yeah, they did not look good. I can't even fault Jalen Hurts. He didn't really have a whole lot of time to do stuff. We know how high powered the Cowboys offense was. The defense was not as good as they looked in week one and two. Not having Brandon Graham has definitely hindered them. Oh, but they decimated them. They ripped my heart out of my soul. It, It didn't look good. And even... So, like, there was that call, the fourth and goal sneak by Prescott that got ruled as, you know, turnover on downs, which, you know, I, it's a tough call, but I think he broke the plane like a normal person. So, you know, even without that, they lost by 20-plus points. Yeah, exactly. We'll get to more about the Eagles shortly, and I will say my piece about the Eagles, but that's all I have to say. It was heartbreaking to watch. I was actually very excited for that game. That, yeah, that, that on in every way looked like it was going to be a really good game, and then the Eagles just got blown out. Blown out. So tough, tough one there, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to the Eagles. They, they showed some other signs of life 
in week four. So let's move into week four now. Another ugly Thursday night game, but that's going to happen. Uh, Cincinnati beat Jacksonville 24 to 21. Uh, like I said, the Bengals looking decent right now. I think they're two and two, maybe even three and one. I'm not sure. But look, Bengals are three and one. Year. Three and one. Yeah, looking good to start the year. But the big story to come out of this, other than the Jaguars having a miserable 0 and 4 start to the season and Trevor Lawrence showing all the signs of being a bust. Urban Meyer made headlines with this. I, I didn't even know about it till today. I didn't really know about, much about it. He, this, this, I guess this video came out where he's at a bar getting grinded on by a very young lady that is most certainly not his wife. Um, and just not a good look there. He was in Ohio, the game, apparently, as, as you have informed me, he has a bar there. Not great, especially when your team's losing so much and now you're putting them in, in the negative publicity headlines. He has come out and apologized both to his family and to the team. But you and I were discussing this, and we think this may be Urban Meyer's first and last year in Jacksonville. Yeah, he better win at least four games if he wants to stay there. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. If he gets fired before the season ends or is forced to resign before the season ends, I, I wouldn't – I don't think he's ever going to coach an NFL team again. Maybe, maybe he gets a chance in college again, but I, I think his stint in the NFL would be over. Oh, yeah, that's a Nick Saban issue. Like, he's not going back to the NFL. Exactly. That was the big headline that came out of the Thursday night game. So moving into the rest of the week here, the football team able to bounce back after that loss to Buffalo and come back to beat Atlanta 34-30. Taylor Heineke put together a great game-winning drive at the end of that game. He played sensationally, especially in the second half of that game. Football team starting to get back on track a little bit, but their defense is a far cry from what it was last year. They are a bottom 10 defense this year so far, giving up another 30 points this week. At least able to come away with a win, but they they got some work to do to, to catch back up to being able to compete with the Cowboys to, to win that division. Yeah, they did beat the Falcons, though. A win's a win, right? Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, they have, do have a lot of work to do. Their defense is not as good as we thought they'd be. Uh, I'll give their offense, like, credit. Taylor Heineke has filled in pretty well. And the, I would probably keep him as a starter, honestly. Like, I'm not saying he's the future, the franchise guy, but he's not bad. Not great, not bad. You, you don't have – if you keep him in at quarterback for a year or two, you don't have to worry about your quarterback for another year or two. I, I think Taylor Heineke is a very – very solid option for the modern NFL. Moving on from Washington, though, Buffalo, as we said, Buffalo. got their team back on track. Another 40-point game, second in a row for Buffalo. They annihilated the Houston Texans 40 to nothing. Uh, big game for Josh Allen yet again. It was a, uh, a rainy game, as you, you were telling me, as Josh Allen started kind of cold in terms of completion percentage, but he got back on track, was able to throw, I think, three touchdowns in this game, including a garbage time one to, to Dawson Knox that really aided my fantasy efforts. But the, the, this means nothing for Houston. They were planning on having a bad season. And again, Tyrod Taylor's out, so they really can't do anything. Buffalo, though, their defense looks great. Their offense is starting to get better. Allen still has some work to do in terms of becoming an MVP candidate. But for now, Buffalo on track. They're going to win their division. Just the one loss so far to Pittsburgh in week one. 
I, I don't think they even have anything to worry about. And they started to establish a run game with Singletary and Zach Moss, which is that big note I had from that Steelers loss. Yeah, they look good. And the sad part is, like, they should be even better. But they're scary. The Texans did suck, though. Davis Mills – the Texans did eight yards of total offense at the end of the first half. Not a good game for them. Uh, so I, I'm optimistic about the Bills. They have a tough schedule coming up. They play the Chiefs Sunday night and then play the Titans Monday nights, which may not be as tough of a matchup as I thought, but some some good games coming up. For sure. Huge part of the schedule there. Moving down, Chicago handles Detroit 24-14. to 14. Detroit tried to push again at the end of the game, but uh, Chicago saved them off. Hurts making his uh, – was it his first or his second start career-wise? It's his first start, but, like, he played the game before. Yes. Okay. First career NFL start, and it was victory. Um, Bears head coach Matt Nagy has claimed, though, that uh, when healthy, Andy Dalton is still QB1, so expect um, Fields to go to get benched when Dalton's back and ready to go again. But for now, that's who they're running with, and he's winning them football games. Defense looked a little better last week, only allowed two touchdowns. Not, not a bad showing for the Bears. Not at all. Uh, they're kind of on the right track. If they get rid of Matt Nagy, they'll be a lot better. <laughs> they'll be in a great place, for sure. Carolina suffered their first loss of the season without Christian McCaffrey in a loss to Dallas, 36-28. to Dallas up to 3-1. and But you, like you said before, don't truly buy into this team yet. They're not everything they're hyped up to be. I do agree with you there. And to anyone who thought Carolina was legit, those hopes lived and died with Christian McCaffrey. I, th- I think they can make the playoffs, but it does rely completely on their health. It's, it's like the years that Adrian Peterson would get the Vikings to the playoffs by himself. It, 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 he's that good. He can do it, but he has to stay healthy. That's kind of been his issue throughout the years. So I, I don't think we have to worry about this Panthers team too much, though, though Sam Darnold has found some life in Carolina, and that is good to see. They didn't play horribly, but, I mean, you could tell the difference between Christian McCaffrey and Chubba Hubbard. Absolutely. And they're a wild card team, not the division winner, but they're playing a lot better than they are. They were down by 15, 14, and, you know, they made it a one-score game. They just weren't able to stop the Cowboys. So there's optimism there despite losing. Exactly. And the Cowboys offense, despite – Whatever, or, you know, say, say what you want about them. We're not about them, but the Cowboys offense has looked better and better each week. So good on them for that, at least. I don't like praising the Cowboys too much, though. I'm not trying to. No, do I. Colts, Dolphins, one of the uglier games of week four. Colts win 27-17. As I've been saying, the, the Dolphins have been struggling since the, the Tua injury. Jacoby Brissett is a far cry from even what Tua is. The Colts getting back on track a little bit. Jonathan Taylor rushes for over 100 yards. Um, T.Y. Hilton did not play, but he is getting close to coming back and being um, reinstated from the injured reserve. So that's a good sign for them as well. Defense isn't quite as good as last year, but they're starting to figure things out. Miami, again, with Brissett, it's rough. Devontae Parker's looked decent still, but their running back system is a mess. Gaskin only had two carries. Ahmed had like five. Brown had eight. I don't know. It's, it's a whole mess. They have no idea what they're doing there. The defense, though, continuing their streak of turnovers. 
I, I don't know if it's gonna if it's gonna last forever at this point, but that's the only good thing the Dolphins have going for them at this point. Their defense isn't even that good. They're just decent at forcing turnovers. Um, this is gonna be a tough year for the Dolphins, though. They're they're not as good as I thought they were gonna be, and that, I do think that's in large part to Tua, though. Funny enough, though, I think Brissett will be playing better than Tua. That is a, that's a bold claim. <laughs> I don't think Tua would have. Tua maybe would have made that like maybe would have tied that game or maybe put them up, but he was not going to win that Bills game. He was not going to win the Raiders game, I don't think. So, I don't know. Brissett's not great, but I think he's as good as you get from Tua. I agree. I mean, I don't know if I fully agree, but I, I see what you're talking about. Okay, one of the ugliest, least exciting games of week four, Cleveland and Minnesota. Cleveland wins 14-7. Not a whole lot of offense in this game. Like, like I said, Cleveland, I think, is in the same category as Dallas, the way you describe them. Like, just don't buy into them yet. They're not they're not a top-five team in football. They're not – I know they competed with the Chiefs in week one. They're an all-out offensive team that's getting healthier. Odell's back. Landry, we don't know when he's coming back yet, but the, the two-headed running backs of Chubb and Hunt have been spectacular for them all season. But just – I don't know. There, maybe it's just the Steelers fan in me, but there's something about this Cleveland team that that gives me nerves when I talk about competing for for a run of the Super Bowl or anything like that, or being a top tier team in the NFL. And and this kind of shows it. They only put up 14 points against the Minnesota Vikings. That does that was something. a but that was a weird game where like Kirk Cousins started out six for six with a touchdown, and then that like that was it. Yeah, Baker Mayfield has not looked great. Been inconsistent. The defense of the Browns, other than, like, this past game, has not been great. But that running back system, that O-line, those are some two good assets. And actually, the defensive line is phenomenal. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. The secondary has some issues, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see where they go. They got lots of division games left in, uh, honestly, not the worst schedule in the world, to be honest, but. We'll, we'll see how it shakes out. That division's messy right now. We talked about the Saints being kind of hit and miss from week to week. They So we talked about how they beat the Patriots by 15 in week three. They then lost the Giants in week four by 10. 27-17, the Giants win. Danny Jones looked great. Uh, Kenny Galladay had a big day. Saquon had a, a touchdown. They went to overtime. If I'm not mistaken, and then the Giants able to, or no, they didn't go to overtime, but a good game nonetheless. Either way, the Giants, big win, needed it desperately, but the Saints down two and two after a tough week two loss. Again, they're, they're, they, I don't think they've quite figured out what they are yet, to be completely honest. They're still without Michael Thomas, who is going to be activated around week six. We'll see when he actually gets to play, if he gets to play, but. So still missing one of their best players, but they just, I don't know. You don't, you don't just beat a team by 15 and then lose to a worse team by 10. That's that's the sign of a very inconsistent football team. I can't figure them out, but I also think Jameis Winston is not the MVP candidate some people were touting about in week one. I, <laughs> yeah. I can't figure the Saints out, though, and I, I need, like, a PhD to be able to even get anywhere close to understanding what is the New Orleans Saints without Drew Brees. They're not good, but they're also kind of good, but they're also not. 
they're fine. I th- I don't know. <laughs> they're really they're fine with a question mark. With a, with a hard question mark. We'll we'll leave that there. Good win for the Giants. Saquon hasn't been running the ball great, but he's getting his legs under him back to back week with touchdowns. So we'll, it's good to see him back. But usually takes running backs a, a good year after an ACL injury to return to form. Yep. But it, it's still good to see him out there. One of the most oddly exciting games of week four, the Tennessee Titans and the New York Jets in an overtime thriller that saw the New York Jets take home their first victory of the season in a three-point win over Tennessee. Tennessee was able to tie it at the end of regulation on a, on a last, not quite last second, but a, but a, a late touchdown throw from Ryan Tannehill. No A.J. Brown or Julio Jones in this game. Chester Rogers came up big for them. Uh, on a few late plays and in overtime, the Jets then in overtime marched down the field as they got the ball first, kick a field goal. The Titans do their best. I think the Jets ended up forcing a fumble to end the game, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, 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 excuse me. It was a missed field goal from Randy Ball. It was a 55-yard field goal, somewhere around there. 49. 49, okay, so somewhere around a 50-yard field goal. The only reason I know that is because someone asked me, was that a hard kick? And I was like, I don't know how far it was, 49. Doable, but Doable. yeah, he missed Bullock, it. Bullock's an older kicker, though, Um, but yeah, tough loss there for the Titans, but a 27 spot for the Jets as they they took more advantage of that defense than even Indiana, Indianapolis could. So good job from them. Zach Wilson looked like a decent quarterback in this one. Second not half, Zach Wilson looked means. great. Yeah, not not great, but probably his best game as a pro so far. Absolutely. But hopefully, you know, at the very least, something to build on. You beat a team that is going to make the playoffs this year. That is, that is a very good feeling. Um, and and some big hits on Derrick Henry in overtime too. For anybody who was watching, they were not letting him be the reason they lost. That was, that was good on the Jets. Moving on, back to your Eagles here. I okay, so they they play the Chiefs in Philly, lost forty two to thirty. But I actually thought the Eagles played pretty well in this game. It was the Chiefs. They were going to lose more than likely. The thing I forgot to mention last week is the Chiefs lost to the Chargers 30-24 to and fell to 1-2 and the first time they had fallen under 500 in the Patrick Mahomes era. First time they had lost two games in September since Andy Reid was the coach there. Tough for the Chiefs. Come back, get a slightly easier opponent in Philly, and handle them well. But also, I mean, the Eagles only lost the game to the highest-powered offense in football by, what, 12 points? The, the Eagles played well. Devontae Smith had 100 yards receiving. Dallas Goddard, he fumbled, but he had he had a touchdown and 50 receiving yards or somewhere around 50. Hurt, Hurts looked decent. They And the defense even picked off Patrick Mahomes. That doesn't happen very much. Like, they, they were elite. They, they looked a lot better against the Chiefs than they did against the Cowboys on Monday night. There are a few things to that, though. Devontae Smith should add 150 yards. There was there's one play where he got pushed out of bounds. I thought reestablished possession and then caught a touchdown pass on the same play. The ref said no, and I hate the refs. I hate the refs. I hate the refs. Yeah, they called a penalty on him on that play. Well, that, that's that's true. If you go out of bounds and then come back in, no, no, it's no, illegal they, they touching. He, oh, I thought. Oh, I thought they said he dragged the defender out. Oh, did, oh, is that what it was? Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, and they just said illegal touching. So, I, like, yeah, what you can't do is you can't, like, you know, defenders, like, you know, trying to stop you, and you kind of, like, run a little bit out of bounds to get around them. That you can't do. 
so you do it purposefully. But if you get pushed out and then get back in, like you're okay, it could have been. Regardless, that penalty kind of screwed them over and was sort of the catalyst to end the game. They, you're not wrong. They picked off Mahomes, but that defense got torn apart. Like Tyreek Hill had like 160 yards receiving and three touchdowns and three touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, nice 42 spot for the fans. Yeah, shout out Darius Slay for going like, you know, put some respect on my name. I've only done that three times in my career, but it, like Tyreek Hill, DK Metcalf, like games that were very winnable if you didn't allow that. Yeah, no. He's still our best cornerback since like Asante Samuel. But Asante. I was a little annoyed about I'm that. the awesome wa. No, oh, no, 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 no. What a team. Um, but oh, yeah. the, sorry, just the last thing. I. So many penalties, an ungodly amount of stupidity from just our players, and it sets me ablaze. Like if we had lost outright without like you know minor penalties, so be it. But our, our offense commits so many false starts, so many holdings, so many pass interference calls. Like it's just it's infuriating. Yeah, this is what happens with a young team, though. I know, but like rein it in a little bit. Do better. You're getting like 13 penalties a game. I know I'm probably exaggerating, but still, that's Eagles annoying. Don't have the worst schedule, and I think they have a relatively easy part coming up in a couple weeks. But they got a lot to build on at one and three. Chiefs move back to two and two. I would be surprised if they fall back below 500 for the rest of the season. I will caveat that with maybe next week goes Buffalo's way, but mm-hmm. they will not fall below 500 after that. Sure, sure. I'll give you that one there. Uh, but good game for them, putting up 42 after a tough loss last week or the week before. Moving down, the Cardinals beat the Rams by 17, 37 to 20. Before we trash the Rams, I'm going to go right out and say it. It's time for you to, to respect Kyler Murray and this Cardinals offense. I don't give a crap about the defense. It did fine. It did well enough. But this is maybe the best offense in football right now. Kyler Murray is looked He's, he's a little shaky at times, but he is leading this team better than anybody could have predicted. Even I could have predicted. I mean, they haven't lost yet, and they're beating the next best team in their division. That's by, by, by almost 20 points. That's a, good, that's a great start for the Cardinals. I agree. Fair enough. Kyler Murray has done a great job leading the offense. They're 4-0. They beat a very, very good Saint, or sorry, Rams team that I still believe will you know, Easily make the playoffs. They're my favorite, you know, NFC. I'm telling you, though, there will be some inconsistencies. And I'm, ju- I'm just going to say it now. So when there's a choke in the playoffs, everyone's like, Kyler Murray hasn't done that the entire season. What happens? There will be a choke job in the playoffs. They will make the playoffs. They'll probably win the division. I just I, – a choke job is coming. I want to trash the Rams defense though, because Chase Edmonds looked like he was running seven yards a carry. Yeah, he was killing it. I don't like. I can't figure out if that was just like the Cardinals O line, or if that was like the Rams like D line just sucking. I don't know if there were any injuries on the Rams defense. That could be something to look into. But I thought it looked like the Cardinals just playing spectacular. Like, like I say, their offense is is legit, and it's it's not just the the skill position players it's that o-line it's it's great at pass protection but today or or excuse me yesterday they showed the run protection they let Edmonds get it they got Connor into the end zone they let Edmonds run amok 
they, they were they were doing a great job. I think they're bought in just as much as the rest of the players are and how good this offense is. And they want to be part of the reason, like a big reason of that. And that's that's huge because if you're both giving Kyler Murray time to throw in the pocket and letting his his two running backs establish themselves, you're not going to beat this team. You're, you're, you, the only way to do it is to pressure Kyler Murray and make him uncomfortable. And if the O-line holds up, what are you going to do? I mean, part of it too, that when that, run game got opened up like that just did wonders for Kyler Murray that's like that's an obvious thing like it's I'm not saying that should take anything away from him but just once that got opened up like Kyler Murray would pass and you know other than Hopkins like Jalen Ramsey that matchup like every other one of the cornerbacks for the Rams got torched AJ Green had another AJ Green like ran over the cornerback for the Rams he's looked great so far in a Cardinals uniform and Kyler Murray at this point has to be, like we talked about last episode, I believe the favorite for the or the front runner for the MVP yes. so far through the first four weeks. Um, looking looking great, got the Cardinals undefeated and winning their division. The other two teams in that division also played this past week, and Seattle beat San Francisco by a touchdown, 28 to 21. They had a slow start, but we were able to figure it out. Their defense still not nothing impressive, but the offense is starting to find its groove. Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett. Chris Carson, DK, for San Francisco, it was, it was a one-score loss. Like, you, you can't bash anybody too hard. I think the injured running backs is starting to hit a little bit because Trey Sermon is not as good as Elijah Mitchell or or Jeff Wilson. Or when he's healthy, Raheem Mostert, which seems to be two games a year. But they're, they're just struggling because they're a run-heavy team, and they have so many running backs to into the mix now. Uh, I, I credit them for staying competitive, but at the end of the day, it, I just I don't I, I don't see it as much as everybody else's. Their defense normally is good, but but 28 points this past week, tough. I do think they are the worst team in this division, and I think that's mostly going to show up in the division games, like it did it did yesterday. Yeah, fair. I was surprised that the Seahawks, who I thought were very consistent, showed up though. So. Better force, but 49ers have not looked great. Jimmy G got hurt. Trey Lance played. He did fine. Yeah. Everyone's like, Trey Lance should be the starter. Like, he played all right. I don't think he was great, but. Yeah. We'll see what happens and what they decide. How, how serious the injury to Jimmy G really is. Uh, Denver was undefeated heading into week four. That is no longer the case as they got killed by the Ravens 23-7. to uh, not that it meant anything, but the Ravens activated Le'Veon Bell for the first time this season as they're unpleased with their running back system so far, so they added another one to the mix. Uh, but it, it didn't matter. The Ravens played great. Hollywood Brown had a deep touchdown on a, on a dart from, uh, from Lamar Jackson. And the Broncos were kind of exposed for, for what they truly are. I, I don't want to say they're going to be an awful team, but Teddy also got hurt and Drew Locke got brought into the game, and that didn't get, do them any favors. They need, they need Teddy to be able to compete in terms of making the playoffs. They're not going to win their division, but they do have a chance for, for a wild card if their defense can stay healthy and Teddy can come back. But for now, also they've had some injuries to the wide receiver position, uh, but tough loss against their, their first really difficult opponent of the year. Uh, not a great showing from Denver. Yeah. They were – I don't know. Their offense didn't do a whole lot. Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. It's like hit or miss. They just really couldn't keep up offensively. Their defense was all right at times. But, yeah, 
And then um, at the end of the game, the Ravens ran the ball to it was most rush yards or something. What was the record they're going for? Was it rush attempts? Rush? I have no idea. I forget what it was, but the Ravens were, Ravens set a record in that game, and Vic Vangio was heated about it. That was the most disrespectful thing he's seen in 35 years of coaching. And John Harbaugh had the best clapback of all time, saying, you can't score 16 points in a touchdown. Why were you trying? Which I think is hilarious and very petty. So, who knows? I think the Broncos will be okay. I think they just got off to such a hot start, played some kind of mediocre teams. They'll do better against, like, the Ravens or, like, some of those mid to upper tier teams. But I like you're gonna see them at like floating around ten, seven, nine, eight, like that sort of record rather than like four and twelve or you know, or like fifteen and two. Yeah, no, they're they're not gonna be the best record team in football, but they, they could have a solid season. They can make a run at one of those wild uh, wild card spots for sure. Mm. Um, a tough tough loss to a, a first real tough opponent there. A couple games left here. Breaks my heart, but the Green Bay Packers beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 27 to 17. Steelers defense looked okay. Unfortunately, had a blocked punt return or blocked field goal return for a touchdown called back right before the half. Yep. Joe Hayden was just barely offsides. I don't even know if I would have called him offsides, but that's all. Well, obviously, you wouldn't have, dummy. Of course, I wouldn't have, but it, it, it was by a hair, but it was, yeah, it it was very close. Ended up getting a field goal in before the half for the Packers. And then I don't even know if the Steelers scored one more touchdown. It's it's looked rough offensively for Pittsburgh. They have not established any kind of run game so far. They're, I mean, it's, it's Ben. Ben is the biggest issue. The defense's health is the first and foremost. Like the Steelers will make the, well, shouldn't make the playoffs with a healthy defense, but they haven't been healthy recently. But with Ben at the helm, that is almost a bigger issue because, he just – he had the one nice pass to Deontay Johnson that put the Steelers up 7 nothing, like a 41-yard touchdown pass. But the rest of the game, it was shaky. He, he doesn't move well. He really doesn't have a super accurate arm anymore. He missed Juju behind him on a couple passes that could have helped. It just – the Packers don't have a great defense, and we weren't even able to keep it within 10. Rodgers – I mean, the, the Packers didn't even look that great offensively. Like you said, they've been struggling in that that field this year a little bit, but – Still a double-digit win. The Steelers fall to one and three. The Packers move to three and one. Um, Pittsburgh in last place in their division. This is a far cry from what I predicted after that Buffalo win, which I am recognizing. I, I don't think they'll finish in last place in the division. I do think they'll they'll finish ahead of the Bengals in the end of it, but the Bengals hot right now where the Steelers ice cold. Not looking good as a fan. Uh, I, I could look forward to a nice first round pick, a nice top tier pick. That could be fun. Maybe bringing in a good offensive lineman or God forbid a quarterback that's not named Ben Roethlisberger. But I, I, we're, I feel like the, the the zombie episode of What If Now. I'm going to keep quoting that show. I feel like Ben Roethlisberger is just a zombie, a for, uh, like like a shell of his former self. He's just kind of there, going through the motions. He's kind of walking around with his arms out, his head half off. A few things. First and foremost. I find it hilarious that Juju Smith-Schuster is, like, crying and throwing tablets on the sideline. But he also said what you said, where it's Ben. He mouthed it, which that was interesting. And I do agree. Actually, I agree that Ben Roethlisberger was a shell of himself five years ago. You guys just have not gotten rid of him. Um, 
there have been cries for Cam Newton to be signed by the Steelers to become the quarterback. What do you feel about that? I I would love it. I don't think he's okay. actually that much better in terms of arm accuracy. Oh, definitely not in terms arm of what accuracy. He can do for our offense. I mean, he can move. That's pro- that's thing number one. He can he can rotate out of the pocket when it collapses because we have a very young and experienced offensive line. He his throwing ability down the field isn't going to be as good as Ben's at this point, but but on those mid passes that they love to run for Juju, he's going to be way more accurate. He's, he's going to be darting those in too. Cam is a former MVP. He still had he, he like he said at the beginning of the year when he got cut by the Patriots, he is not worse than 32 other quarterbacks in this league. I think the the what should happen is they should sign him, but I think the way it would have to work is Ben has to get hurt. The Steelers would have to go a couple games with Josh Dobbs or Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins, and they would have to go very poorly. But maybe they still win those games because you don't sign Cam if you're not competing for a playoff spot. There's no point. There's no reason. Play, play, play Dwayne Haskins. Play Mason Rudolph. See if one of them could take over next year if Ben decides to retire finally. For God's sake, please do. But if the Steelers are, like, hanging around 500 – and Ben goes down or, or they're sick of Ben and they decide to bring in Cam Newton. That makes more sense. Cause that would be like, okay, give us a push. Give us one chance to make one of these wild card spots. Give yourself one last chance in the NFL. I would, I would love to see Cam Newton in the Steelers on the Steelers. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Sunday night, Tom Brady's return to new England, setting all time passing records, scoring career touchdowns, an ugly game, though, from Tom Brady in a, in a gross 1917 win over the Patriots. Mac Jones looked pretty good, the rookie quarterback yep. for the Patriots. He had a very good game. Uh, unable to secure the win, though. No Gronk in this game for the Patriots, but they were able to slip by. Um, and like you said, Richard Sherman got annihilated by Jacoby Myers and the, and the rest of the Patriots receiving core. Tampa Bay, though, 3-1, and one, still in a good spot. What's the biggest concern, though, for this team so far through the year? They're the Patriots or the Bucs. Excuse me, for the Buccaneers. No worries. Uh, I think it, with Godwin and Evans, when one does well, the others just, like, none of the other one does bad. Like, obviously, one person has to get all the catches, but the other is just, like, missing. Last night, Evans had a bunch of fantasy points. Godwin was just MIA you know, or was dropping passes, like stuff like that. Antonio Brown has definitely had a bit of a problem dropping passes, but he had a pretty good game last night. Fournette looked good. Their defense is very inconsistent, though. And I also think the Patriots did a good job of keeping pressure off Mac Jones. Also, though, Mac Jones' pocket presence last night was phenomenal. Jack Bear would run at him. He would just sidestep him like a matador and throw a ball down the field, like perfect strike. And honestly, I was very impressed by that. I don't – that team is so complete and so well-rounded. I think injuries have been really derailing them this year. And I would say the other thing, too, would just be the facts – like, their secondary has been a little bit sus, plain and simple. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the sort of X factor, sort of the main reason why they have, like, issues this year. Their offense can be inconsistent, but, like, it's so high-powered and star-studded that they should be fine. That defense, the secondary especially – a little questionable. Uh, we'll see what their secondary is able to do. You know, 
Sherman looked awful. Richard Sherman, we'll see shocking. if he actually helps at all. Antoine Winfield was a great rookie from last year in his second year. Not quite as, as spectacular, but we'll see what they're able to do. But either way, Tampa Bay still winning that division at the moment. Um, we'll, see, we'll see what they're able to do in the coming weeks and how they're able to improve that secondary. One last game still to be played here in week four, which will be over by the time this episode is posted. But that game is tonight, Monday night football between the 3-0 Las Vegas Raiders and the 2-1 Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers hot off that win against the Kansas City Chiefs in week three. This is for the division lead. Uh, Raiders to go 4-0 and remain as the only undefeated team in the uh, AFC, I believe. Unless, yeah, no, because Buffalo lost to Pittsburgh. Yep. Uh, and that will put them in first place, obviously, in the AFC overall. Who do you think is going to win this game? Because I was seeing a lot of Chargers hype online. They're in L.A. I would have also said the Chargers will win. There is a parlay, a $146,000 parlay, that if the Chargers can win by four or more points, he gets, you know, six figures, doesn't. I don't – I think it's going to be a weirdly close game, like a high-scoring game. I'm going to say – I'm going to say the Chargers. I think they're going to be riding the high of last week, go in, win. But I also wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders won, obviously. It's going to be a tough game. I'm going to say the Chargers. I am also going to say the Chargers. I think they've looked great this year. I think their defense is honestly flying a little little underrated right now. And Herbert, despite some of my early season slander and after the week one struggle, has looked good. He's much improved. Keenan Allen's had a great season so far. I think they're kind of getting back on track. It's going to be a fun division this year, but I, I'm I, I'm going to say the Chargers, and that's going to make things really interesting. Put them both at three and one, uh, Denver at three and one, and Kansas City at two and two. Be very interesting next few weeks for for the AFC West. Yeah, and we'll let you know how that game goes. That's in a rain delay right now, actually. It's incredible. You build a six billion dollar stadium that with a retractable roof and. You couldn't prepare for this. It's shocking. Still on rain delay. They're terrible. All right. That is week four. We do have a job to do, which is week five. So our betting segments where we give our picks based off the lines. Shout out, Vigit. Down the app. Use code All-Stars, as Robbie said in the beginning. We're going to do run down the games this week. A few good ones, few questionable ones. So you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Thursday night game. Rams at Seahawks, Rams minus two and a half. Rams will win, Rams will cover. I would tend to agree with that. Yeah. London game, we're getting some English football back. Very nice. Jets at Falcons, this is in London. Oh. Falcons minus three and a half. It's like we don't want to expand a team to London and we don't want them to like football because we always send the worst teams. What did you say the spread was? Minus three and a half for the Falcons. I will say the Falcons will win, but this feels like another by field goal type game. So I I, I'll, I wouldn't pick them to cover necessarily, but I'm gonna I would I would go with the Falcons. I'm just gonna say the over. I don't even want to touch this game. <laughs> I think it's four. Yeah, forty five is the over. I'm gonna say both teams' defenses suck. Just I'm I don't want to touch this one. This, this is disgusting. If I had to pick one to win straight up. I actually say the Jets. Just maybe they'll have a little bit of like momentum, but I wouldn't trust that. Don't don't really listen to that advice. I couldn't tell you if the Jets are good or not. They're not. But imagine the Falcons 
Oh, wait, never mind. They didn't lose to the Giants. Never mind. Disregard that. All right. Eagles at Panthers. Panthers minus three and a half. I can't keep picking the Eagles, so I'll, I'll say I'll say the Cardinals here. I pick the Eagles every single Panthers, week. Panthers, Panthers. So I, I will pick the Panthers. Okay. Uh, yeah, Panthers. Panthers are I, – yeah, Panthers always get the best of the Eagles. I hope the Eagles win, but it's not looking pretty. It feels like a game the Eagles could win because the Panthers have been a little overrated and are without McCaffrey, but their defense has looked pretty good regardless despite last week, and the Eagles don't have quite as good of an offense as the Cowboys, so – Weird one for you, Broncos at Steelers. Steelers minus one. So, so here's the deal: the Steelers win if Teddy Bridgewater doesn't play. The sure. Broncos win if Teddy Bridgewater. The Broncos win if Teddy Bridgewater does play. That's the contingent. Oh, well, it would also contingent be contingent on his health. Like if he's playing injured, that could still lead to a Steelers win. But if he's healthy, ready to go, I would take the Broncos. But he's questionable right now in the concussion protocol. Um. So in in the event he doesn't play and it's Drew Locke under center, I, I would say Pittsburgh all the way. If you didn't Teddy I, Bridgewater I am taking into account that I've also taken Pittsburgh to win every single week so far. Yes. If Teddy Bridgewater if you think Teddy Bridgewater is gonna play, pick the Broncos. You can hammer that. But if he's not playing, I would stay away from it. Like even so, the if over under is forty and a half. And what is what? Forty and a half. <laughs> okay, maybe that's, pick the over, but I don't even know if I'd want to try that. That's, that's disgusting. Gross. That's a, that's an ugly game to bet on. I'd agree, but Teddy plays. I think the Broncos will win that. So I'm going to say Broncos minus one. All right. Or sorry, no Broncos plus one. I guess plus one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Packers at Bengals. Packers minus three. Packers minus a hundred. No, the pa- Packers will win and cover here. Maybe pick the over though, because these are two offensive teams only. I don't know what the spread is, or the the. It's 49 and a half, which I think is like, you know, 27, 24 games the over. Yeah, it's kind of how hot are the Bengals that day because I think the Packers are capable of putting up 25 plus, but the Bengals are going to hover right around 20 to 25, 20, 20 to 30 each week. Um, but that, that could be a shootout, to be honest, the way the Packers have been playing. Yeah, I'm going to say Packers minus three as well. I think they would at least, like, that would be a split, but that's a weird one. I think the over is a good one as well. Lions at Vikings. Vikings minus seven and a half. Gross. Um, Lions cover that spread. I think if they lose, if they lose, which I think they will, it'll be like one of those 14, seven games. Minnesota just played. Like I expect them to lose by a touchdown. They've been hanging around in most of their games and making some late pushes. Um, They're winless so far, but. They haven't – I mean, they lost last week by 10 to the Bears, lost on a last-second all-time field goal by Justin Tucker the week before that. Um, yeah, I think, I think the Lions will cover that spread. I'm going to say the under, which is 49-and-a-half, and I'm going to say Lions plus 7-and-a-half. I tend to agree with you. I think the Vikings are good, but I think the, I think Jared Goff can cover that. I'm probably wrong, but who knows. This one's disgusting. Dolphins at Bucks, Bucks minus 10 and a half. I, I, I mean, yeah, the Bucks are going to win by 10 points. I guess 10 and a half, so they have to win by 11. That's, that's the issue, though, is like how far ahead do they really get? But I, I what's the over under here? 47 and a half. 
47 that that I might take an under to be honest. I would I'm would take the under. I don't think the Dolphins are going to put up like any points. I think the Bucks are going to stifle Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. That that's like 50-50 in my head cuz I feel like it could be a 10-point game, but it also could be like a 30 nothing game. Yeah. Uh it depends what defense we see from the Buccaneers. But I, I, you know what? Let, let's be a little bold here and say that the Buccaneers will cover that spread. I'm going to say the Dolphins are going to cover it only because normally I would just say the Bucks would, and I'm usually wrong about these type of games. <laughs> All right. Another disgusting – actually, you know, I take that back. There's no good games in this league other than the Thursday night game. Saints at Washington. Saints minus one and a half. I'm, I have to stick with my boy Taylor Heineke. I'm going to say the football team covers and wins, shocks the world. I'm just gonna say under with the spread. There's an, I can't even begin to say what I think would happen in that game. Under 44 and a half is my bet. I, if I had to pick one, I'm gonna say the Saints bounce back, and I am disgusted with myself. Yeah, it's, it's a gross one to pick, but that, that that's a toss up. Oh, get ready, it gets worse. Good. Titans at Jaguars. Titans minus four. Titans only minus four. You saw what they did against the Jets. But the Jaguars are worse offensively. I'm going to say the Titans, no question here. They're Titans lock of the week? Over the Jaguars. Lock what? of the week? Y- yes. Lock of the week, Titans win by more than, what, like two points? Four points? Four points. More than four points, yes. Lock of the Even week. if Antonio Brown and uh, – sorry, wait, no, sorry. Julio Jones and A.J. Brown are out. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Patriots at Texans. Patriots minus nine. Stop. What, who made the schedule this year? Um, Patriots, what, what was the spread? Minus nine. Minus nine. Uh, the Patriots kind of suck too. But the Texans literally can't score the football. Take the under here. Robbie, I hate to inform you what the under is. Oh, no. What's the under? 39. Oh, never. This is don't bet on this game, folks. Just, Just invest your money in a one. stock. I would say the best bet would be the Patriots to cover the spread because the Texans are so bad. But it would be like they're gonna get they're gonna win like 10 nothing or something stupid like that. I still would bet the under. I would say Patriots minus nine. Just because I do think the Patriots defense like can actually stifle the Texans. And I think it's going to be yeah. disgusting. Bill Belichick is great against rookie quarterbacks. Davis Mills barely even counts as a rookie quarterback. Exactly. <laughs> All right. We're in the afternoon slate. I don't think it gets, well, it gets a little better, but this one's not bears at Raiders Raiders minus five and a half. I'm saying Raiders. This. I almost want to answer this after tonight's game, but yeah, I, th- I think right now I have to say the Raiders. I don't think Justin Fields is the real deal. I also think Matt Nagy's going to just like trample him. I think Matt Nagy's an idiot, though. I think Justin Fields needs to be the starter. I don't know what his oh. deal with Andy Dalton is. Oh yeah, let me actually let me rephrase that. I'm not sold on him in the sense that he's too green. I think he needs some time to develop. But yeah, Matt Nagy's going to stifle that. Yeah, for sure. Browns at Chargers. This is actually a reasonably good game. Browns minus half a point, so it's a pickup. Chargers. Browns. Yeah, why not? All right. <laughs> cool. No more. 
Um, Giants at Cowboys. Cowboys minus seven. Cowboys. Cowboys will cover. Cowboys will blow them out just as bad as they blew out the Eagles. 49ers at Cardinals. Cardinals minus five and a half. I think Cardinals by touchdown. I think Cardinals by – yeah, touchdown sounds fair. If the 49ers defense still shows up, yeah. I am probably not going to bet against the Cardinals this year, though, I'm going to be honest. I would – that over-under is interesting, though. 15 and a half. So I can see the Cardinals getting stifled offensively. Yeah, I can see that being a lower-scoring game. Like, neither team gets to 30. So, yeah. so 50 is a little bold. So I, I, would, I, I would consider the under in that one. Yeah. All right, Sunday night game. This is a good one. Bills at Chiefs. Chiefs minus two and a half. Bills at Chiefs. Yep. I, I have I have to pick Kansas City. The Bills defense though is great, and and if there's any talk about the Chiefs offense not looking up to snuff, this is the week we're going to find out if that's true or not. This, this is the biggest test for the Chiefs so far. It's it's going to be a massive game for for their morale, and on the other end, if they lose it's going to be brought into question what's the bigger issue here, our offense or our defense. Yeah. I would bet the over, even though it's 56 and a half, I think it's going to be a very high scoring game, despite yeah. the fact the defense is great. If you don't think it's going to be high scoring, I would say pick the bills. Cause I think the bills will tear through the chiefs defense. If it's a question of, will the chiefs be able to tear through the bills defense? You know, that's up to you. But if you think it's going to be under that, I would definitely think the Bills will win. Ah, Jesus Christ. I'm going to hope I'm wrong, and I'm going to say the Chiefs cover. I hope I'm wrong. It'd be, I'm sure it would be a fun weekend in Buffalo if, uh, if you're able to top off the Chiefs. This Bills team, though, like where they are like competitively with the Chiefs, is better than last year in the AFC Championship. True. They're much. They're going to be much more competitive. I'll give you that. Finally, Monday night game, Colts at Ravens, Ravens minus seven. Sadly, the Ravens will cover that spread. Yeah. Maybe the Colts cover if they're like within five, but Ravens will win that game. I'm very excited. I, I hate seeing the Ravens win, but I am very excited to see Carson Wentz look like crap on Monday night football. You said stuff. <laughs> All right. That's our episode. We did it. We made it to the end. Thanks for joining us. Always appreciate you guys for who tune in and listen to us from week to week. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Again, we're going to try and find a more consistent time to do things and, and uh, post, but everything's in flux. Who knows? Uh, but for now, we hope you enjoyed this, ep- this week's episode. We'll be back next week with more predictions uh, for football, more news on the MLB playoffs, and if anything has progressed in the Ben Simmons saga. Until then, hope you have a fantastic week. And Maybe some what if. Back. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll bring in some what if. Yeah, we'll, we'll bring in some of our, our favorite moments for what, what if something had gone differently in, in the sports world. I think we could come up with some really fun stories there to maybe conclude an episode with at some point. Take care, bro.